the Reaper, the Maelstrom, and the Thief is a Dungeons and Dragons show by Rollcast, intended for mature audiences. It contains mature themes, strong language, violence, and drug references. Full content warnings can be found on the episode's description. Hello, and welcome back to another installment of The Reaper, The Maelstrom, and The Thief. I'm Tom, you're the M, and joining me, as always, is our short wizard gnome Deeks, portrayed by JB. Yep. Our paragon, well, cleric of virtue, dragonborn Gregor, played, of course, by Coogan. Yo. And our dubiously human human, Ezidor, played, of course, by Gaz. What up? Down with the kids. <laughs> it's whack. <laughs> Hello, fellow youths. <laughs> Mint. <laughs> As you can tell, this session is going to be banging. Oh, yeah. I believe that's the term. <laughs> it is a term, yeah. Probably the wrong term, but... Nonetheless, guys, I've been presenting you with numerous questions over the last couple of sessions, and I certainly have many, many more in the future for you all. However, it's a nice little change of format. I thought rather than me asking you a question that I may have asked before and the same theme of one that I've asked before, I'd like each of you just to give me a, a fact about your characters. It can be literally any facts at all. It can be, you know, like um, your age, where you were born, when you were born, family, first crush, first murder, favourite food. Anything along those lines. So, let's start with Gregor. Because, Coogan, you've inhabited Gregor the longest. You know, like, your character's been around the longest compared to, obviously, Deeks and Ezidor. So I feel like you've probably got a bit more of a feel for him. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, he's he's been a very good character to me. So it's, it's quite nice actually playing him, and he's actually survived this long. So, I mean, level six. I'm I'm quite happy with that for my ever first character. So, um, well, the interesting fact about uh, Gregor is he's a blue dragonborn. I feel like I've allowed you to cop out slightly on this one. I'll accept that fact, but uh, next session, if I'm asking for a fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a bit of provisos down here. None of the obvious, you know, like what do they look like? Because we've already described it. But I'm I'm gonna let you off on this time. Deeks, how about you? Other than the fact that you're a short gnome. <laughs> yeah, well, mine was gonna be uh, as short as he is, to be honest. Um, he was he was born in a forest. Any indication as to what the forest is or whereabouts it's located? Mm, um, I might be able to give you a name. Yeah, I'll give you a name. It was the Belitus Forest. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Why are you two always so secret about your characters? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you think of all this complicated story, but then you're like, well, I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> like, nobody's gonna know nothing about it. It's not like we've, it's not like we've discussed it's, it's, a lot of this with the DM beforehand and stuff, and then just you know, DM's expecting this lovely, complicated law. I'm just like that. Nah. 
It's to prevent any contradictions. It's called playing it safe. Oh, perfect. So it was like with Ragnarok. I think we learned nothing about him. (laughs) (laughs) You cleared him. So about flowers. Funny funny fact. Funny fact. Ragnarok, the first time we learned something really deep and like meaningful about his backstory was one of these questions. But the unfortunate thing is, that very episode, he died. <laughs> so you know, I I think I might understand JB being a bit reticent over giving proper backstories now, since the last time he did that, he died. So right, it's okay. probably a jinx or well, something like yeah, that. I was going to say we'll put we'll put we'll pull more out of Deeks and out with Gregor in terms of their facts and backstories as we uh, continue this campaign. However, well, Isidore. Sorry, go on, go on, go on Dix. No, no, I, go I, was, for it. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say that I'll, I'll elaborate a tiny bit more. So he was born in a in a, a Belitas forest, uh, and he was raised by his own kind, just as normal, um, in his own native village called Sorrel. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more for you. Oh, Wonderful. Sorry. Very nice. I do have. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? It's lovely <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> I do have some further questions regarding the denizens of Belitis Forest, but you know what? We'll touch on that another day. Because I oh. think that's a, a nice little... Dig, you got it going now, Dig. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're casting the bait out there and seeing if there's any bites. We'll come slow back to it later. Yeah, slowly reel it in. Slow bites. It's a door. You are a man of mystery. That much is evident from what we've seen so far. How about a fact from you? Oh. He has blonde hair. He doesn't I'm an have old hair. man. You are, yes. <laughs> and? Well, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll try and think. What would you like? I once loved, truly, a woman. Okay, that's a bit more. That's a bit more substantial. What happened to her? Or is that she too? No, no, no. If I, if other people are sharing valuable information, <laughs> great <well. laughs> I'll divulge some information also. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away and she died. Uh, it's always heartbreaking. Yes. I made efforts to see her again. But to no avail, I'm assuming? Well, things happened. Yeah. They were dark times. Well, well, maybe, maybe, maybe if we need to, I will ponder those dark times. But right now, there's no need. I was going to say, I'm fairly sure that along your travels with your companions, there's going to be plenty of time to talk about lost loves, dead wives, resurrections, spirit hopping, all this kind of jazz. And it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be unintentionally hilarious every second of it, and it's just going to definitely not undermine the tone. That... And not contradict ourselves at all. No, no. If there's one thing that Dungeons & Dragons is known for, especially homebrew campaigns, it's there is no contradictory information ever. Wink, wink. Okay, guys, so the last time we saw you was during the midst of the entire founding festival. 
Um, Gregor and Deeks, you were masquerading as a... I'm not quite sure what you were meant to be masquerading as a big humanoid type of figure that was called Rooster. We were, to be honest. We were. Um, I mean, it kind of worked a lot of the time, some of the time, occasionally. Um, but you were directing Isidore to uh, Toby Nudin's shop, seeing as you had previously tried and failed to extract any information from him, pretty much screaming the word Merkel multiple times before running out. As... Ezidor made his way to the shop, you also started making your way through the town. However, unfortunately for you, due to Deeks' instructions of essentially breaststroking through the town, you caught the attention of one of the town's guards, who, you know, grabbed onto what he thought was your shoulder, but was unfortunately Deeks himself. Yanked him straight off, and after a bit of a puzzling couple of minutes for the three of you, you managed to convince the guard that you were actually a performer um, for the actual festival itself and misinterpreting this slightly he thought he thought you meant that you were performing in the upcoming dance number that was happening in the centre of the commercial area a reenactment of the guards versus the Sahorgan invasion centuries ago which a lot of these events are kind of themed around I think not very well well we'll we'll get on to that in a second not wanting to gain any more suspicions of this guard you kind of went along with him and he led you into the centre of the commercial area where it was a large fountain, Gregor you recognise this fountain as one that you passed by numerous times with both Ivok and Ragnarok um, Deeks to you this was on you with your head I guess just poking out the on top um, it became very apparent very quickly that you guys might have been a bit out of your depth though when minutes after trying to convince Gregor to calm down and to actually go through with this, you heard a strong marching noise. Drummer boys drumming. Chants from the troops, essentially, hyping themselves up, hyping the crowd up as they marched down towards the commercial area. Realising that you had no choice but to go along with it, Deeks, you did your best to direct Gregor. As this was going on, Isidore had made his way to the general store, and he, in there, he met Toby Newden. It went better, definitely better than Deeks and um, Gregor's attempt. Um, Isidore attempting to, at first, intimidate Toby, which didn't quite pan out how he wanted it to. Um, but it did eventually result in Toby revealing that he may or may not have some information on the cult of Merkel and that he may or may not be the shopkeeper that he was after. But before he could divulge any information, seeing as this was a store, he'd require a, t a trade. Unfortunately for Toby, around about half a year ago, his beloved wife, Jessica, was murdered in brutal and suspicious circumstances. Although the guards had said that it was a robbery gone wrong, Toby had his suspicions, seeing as none of her actual valuables were stolen, only a keepsake hair ribbon. With Ezidor agreeing to help him in exchange for information about the court and also Toby's resignation from it, they shook hands and Ezidor departed the store. Whilst Ezidor was wholly successful in his endeavours, the same could not be said for Deeks and Gregor. Whilst they 
managed to keep up a relatively decent facade of being a performer. To the crowd, at least, who couldn't really tell anything different was going on. Many of the performers themselves realised that this strangely bulky Unsahorgin-like Sahorgin, with tendrils that were basically gnome hands wiggling around, they realised that it was out of step, it was out of time, it was out of sync. It was basically throwing off the entire performance. Before you, Deeks, or you, Gregor, realised quite what was going on, you realised that there was a scant handful of guards left, and only two or three Sahorgin left. Realising that this was only just drawing more and more attention to yourselves, you came up with a, a quite ingenious plan, to be quite honest. You scooped up some of the red ribbons that was acting as blood, and as the leader, the Sahorgin king, and the leader of the guards prepared to use magic ribbons, you dived in between the two of them, Gregor launching Deeks high into the air as he threw the ribbons, creating a spectacle acting as though this Sahorgin had been destroyed completely by the intense, ferocious magic between the two. Of course, this resulted in the Sahorgin King and the Guard Captain being, again, very confused and very irate at the two of you. But they let it pass, uh, at least until the unfortunate Dix who had landed on a uh, fountain jet was launched high into the air. With you being a small little gnome, Dix, I'm, I'm fairly sure, you know, it, it made sense for you to use your hat to kind of parachute down but unfortunately, again, this drew the attention of the guards. And realising that in front of them was a small gnome that was floating down and a prone dragonborn, the guards nearby realised that you two were the fugitives they had been seeking for the uh, the terrorist attack the previous day. Yeah. <laughs> At this point... Well, yeah. Destroying all the attention, stealing all the spotlight away from the guard captain and the Sahorgan king. I think it'd have been easier to just uh, lay it down. Disguise. I think it would have been better if we didn't have a disguise at all. Possibly, but you know, unfortunately, that ended the saga of Rooster and brought back Deeks and Gregor, the fugitives. As you guys started running for your lives, Ezidor had finally made his way back into the centre of the commercial district and realising just what was going on, threw himself to the floor as, as he looks like a very frail old man. It was a good enough route. Tripped up quite a few guards. Frail? Uh, oh, I'm as nimble as I ever was. The ruse of being a an old guy. Uh, old guy. Thank you, good sir. You're welcome. Gregor and Deeks, you guys managed to book it into the residential area, turn in a corner and being faced with a large iron wrought set of gates and fences. Sent to panic and realising the guards would be upon you very soon, Gregor, after a few attempts, you launched Deeks over the fence. Ezidor, at this point, had joined, and you boosted him over the fence. And then you realised, as the guards were about to round the corner, none of you had actually tried the gate. You reached out, turned it, and with a slow creak, the gate opened. As the three of you tried to find a place to hide, Gregor, unfortunately, you weren't as lucky as Deeks or Ezador, who had both found areas within the thicket of forest leading up to an old manor house. So instead, you turned, you attempted to electrify the gate, which 
didn't uh, you attempted to melt the lock sorry with your electric mm. breath which didn't pan out how you wanted it to and of course because the metal was imbued with electricity when you placed your hand on the gate to open it it shocked you a little bit unperturbed though you strove outside face the two guards and you engaged them in fisticuffs a surprisingly short and quite brutal battle occurred wherein you knocked out both guards within two attacks each i would say maybe even just one attack each full of confidence you then <laughs> yes it was very impressive we were all very impressed definitely <laughs> bolstered by your victory you went back into the uh, back through the gate and kind of confronted deeks and Ezidor about abandoning you who you know to be fair they had their excuses and their reasoning at this you all went up to the manor realizing that you kind of had no choice you were wanted by the guards and Gregor, you realised that this was the home of one Amrius Reap. You all knocked on the door, and there the butler of the Reaps appeared. You explained that you had business with Amrius, and you lied, saying that you had an appointment with him. The butler then decided that he would go in and inform Mr. Reap of your arrival. Five minutes passed with no response. So Deeks, you then decided to ring the bell again. And after a bit more convincing and Ezidor using his chaos charm, you were able to be let inside the Reap Manor itself. Once inside, um, once inside, Amrius greeted you. You informed him about the two unconscious guards on his premises, and he instructed his servant, well, his butler, Bertie, to, uh, well, you're not quite sure what he instructed him to do. He just said, the cliffs, sir, and he agreed. So whether or not they are disposed of over the cliffs, left on the cliffs, you're not quite sure. All you know is, those guards are not going to be a problem for you anymore. Not in the slightest. As Amrius ascended up the stairs, he discussed with you the, um, the circumstances regarding the Cult of Merkel. He explained very briefly that he had been talking with a Mr. Valar Constance and that he believed that you all had some discussing to do in the study. Before you reached the study though, Bertie, the uh, butler, came back in and said that he had not quite given you his full real name. And uh, that's where we left off. We're rejoining oh. you. Sorry, gone. I was just going to say, what was that name again? <laughs> well, we're rejoining you shortly after Bertie has just given his full name, his full common name, seeing as his elven name would pretty much destroy your heads. So yeah, we are literally rejoining you around about a minute or so after Bertie has finished regaling his entire long name to you. Care to elaborate? <laughs> no. Uh, good gnome, I do not care to elaborate. Oh, so I'm sorry. I was just, I was just, I was just jesting. It's quite all right. Uh, and Bertie, the butler, kind of like just looks across the, well, looks up to the three of you. Uh, Master Human, uh, I do not believe I know your name. However, uh, you you requested a drink, did you not? Would you prefer the wine or the dragon's blood? Is it all? E yes, yes, to you, Master Human. Of course. 
because I'm the only human here. But do you not recognize me? Just in passing. No, should I? <laughs> yes, you should, but not to matter. I'll have a... Well, what would a fine person like myself have? I would say dragon. I'm a bit partial to very good, sir. Very good. I shall return shortly. Would your companions wish for any uh, imbibements? No, thank you much. You must ask them themselves. For, they have to take the He just kind of turns to look at the two of you. I'll have the same. Very good, sir. And how about you, Master Gnome? Oh, possibly some uh, squashed fruit, if you, uh, if you have that at all. Kind of wrinkles his nose at you saying this. I shall see what we have, good sir. Thank you. Any fresh pulp will be uh, ideal. Something to chew on. I shall uh, ask the kitchens if we have any pulp. Good sir. With that, he turns on his heels and he walks down this uh, black and white tiled, kind of like checkered tiled floor, kind of like clacking as he does, as he heads down the hallway out of sight. I just turn to... Is Deke still on my shoulder? Or are you... off? Um, no, I was off because I rang the bell, so I jumped off for that. I just I just look at Deeks on the floor. Deeks? What is pulp? No, pulp from the fruit. You know, I don't know if you've ever had... You just had, eat um, the fruit. Have you... No, no. Have you ever had fruit? Oh yes, of course I have. Yes. Well, you know, let's say if you if you if you squeeze some some fruit to get the 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 liquid, the juice out. Well, let's just say I like mine a little bit lumpy. I.e., the pulp. Riveting as this is, chaps. I believe we have a conversation that we need to be addressing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. For another time. For another time. Yes. Uh, I'm just climbing up the stairs, just thinking to myself, pulp. Pulp. Are we following? Um, Amius. Yes. Yeah. He's he's, he's currently walking up this giant spiral, kind of like oak wooden staircase. As it's kind of like leading up one floor. Um, As you're following him. He's not really saying anything. He's remained a bit quiet since he said, you know, you need to talk in the study. You reach one landing. Um, the stairs keep on going up. Um, Amaris continues walking up this spiral staircase. If you want to have a quick look, you can have a very quick look at the landing in front of you. Uh, yeah, I'll have a quick look. Yeah, I want to take care of the surroundings. Yeah, everyone just... I must say, Amaris, this is a mightily impressive home. Have you it all yours? Uh, yes, yes, is it all it is? Well, it was me and mine and my wife before she unfortunately passed away uh, many a year ago now. Um, we, well, and he's still walking up the stairs as he's explaining this to you. Uh, when we first arrived in Salt Harbor, it was, uh, it was, well, it was shortly after I finished my initial adventuring days. Uh, The manor that you see before you, that you are indeed in at the moment, was not around 
In fact, I had to use almost all of the treasures from my adventuring days to purchase the land and any uh, events, quests, bounties, or anything like that, all went towards the construction of this place. Oh, believe me, I'm, I'm well aware of the days that this wasn't around. Must have cost... Must have cost you a few coin. Oh, yes, well, not just coin, of course, my dear boy. Uh, coin, favours, materials. Oh, there was many a time continuing walking up the stairs, and you've been walking up for about two minutes at this point, just solidly walking up. I remember one time a bounty was, uh, well, it was called for a beholder. And, well, you'll see in a second. And as he says this, you reach, like, the top, um, top, top landing, essentially. Um, the staircase kind of, like, opens out, and there are kind of like two banisters on either side, which again just lead out. And in front of you, um, there is a there is a I'm thinking of the word a deep dark purple. We'll say I can't remember the actual colour, but a very regal kind of purple carpet right in front of you. And about five feet ahead of that is a large double door. Looks to be made out of wood, very highly varnished wood. Um, you. I guess it's probably pine or oak. And on either side are two lit braziers. Uh, yeah, so this uh, through here is my study. I, I must request that the three of you take care in there. There are many magical items which, uh, well, you do not want to be uh, playing about with if you catch my drift. We won't touch anything. Oh, glorious. Glorious. And I'm assuming Deeks and Ezidor, I can take your word for it as well. Uh, Abrius, I just wondered if I could possibly have a word. Uh, yes, of course, dear boy. Uh, what, uh, what, what is troubling you? Well, uh, no, no, nothing is troubling me. I'm just, uh, it's just a matter of curiosity, I must say. It's, uh, the, 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 the two guards that were in your garden. Uh, the two that you placed in my garden? Uh, yes, that Gregor placed in your garden. Um, I, I, I couldn't help but notice you told your butler to um, send them off to the cliffs, was it? Oh, yes, yes. Dispose of them on the cliffs, yeah. Dis dispose of them, yes. I, I'm just possibly trying to get a little bit more information as to what you mean by dispose. Well... Did he teach us uh, how to word this? Hey, don't hold anything back. The, the, the town guards are quite often quite uh, corrupt. They are, they are led by a very uh, corrupt being. He's not a very good person, no. Um, and they are known to drink on the job. As well, as well as partaking of substances such as wormwood and the like, uh, sun drops and whatnot. So, uh, Bertie will move them uh, away from Reap Manor. I don't know if you noticed this, but at the back of my uh, humble abode and surrounding it is a large 
array of forests. And behind that, if you were to drop someone down, it would not kill them, especially if they were already unconscious. It would do some damage, yes. However, they would land on the top of the cliffs, leading into the Linshaw Ocean. So, Bertie is plying, uh, or was, is, will be, plying the guards with alcohol in their unconscious forms. They're dropping them behind onto the cliffs and then leaving them there. Okay. So it's not as though to say you're, you're, you're pushing them off the cliffs to their certain death. Oh, no, 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 dear, dear Dinks, no. However, if they were to wake up in an inebriated state and walk off the edge of the cliff, as it were, well, that would be their own belly well fault, wouldn't it? Not mine. No, well, I'm, just... I'm just thinking that's all, because it still might be a problem for us, you see. And um, how is and that? We'll... Um, well, it's, uh, there are obviously... You know, had something to do with us earlier on. It would be, it would be um, a bit worrying if they was to to come stumbling back in and stumble upon us. Oh uh, yes, why do you think we inebriated them so? Yes, well, either today or to, tomorrow or the day after. You know, it's. Uh... My dear Jeeks, they have so much alcohol in their systems that it will be remarkable if they can remember the last two weeks, never mind the last 24 hours. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I understand this, the statement. I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering whether you, uh, that is a guarantee. Uh, well, uh, Dukes, if you wish to uh, go catch up to Bertie and dispose of the guards yourself. You are welcome to, of course. However, this is a, a trick, a tactic, I guess, that has been employed ever since Abchar was a rambunctious, a terroir teenager. Hmm. Yes, never I, bit us before. Well, I, for one, I'm, I am incredibly grateful that you've managed to help us in the birth. Many I'm sure it's all little deeks. I understand yes, these concerns, but we are great. Because I, I have no intention of going after Bertie, and uh, yeah, I have no intention. I was just, I was just asking some questions and bringing the, oh, of course, uh, of the, course, the caution to the group. Yeah, of course. Uh, if any of the guards, if any of those two guards who did somehow remember enough. Well, they will be ineb- so inebriated that I do not believe that anyone will pay nary a mind to what they are saying. Very well, very well. Let's uh, let's proceed with our meeting. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, with that, he kind of turns, puts both his hands onto like these large golden handles on both doors, just as he pushes them open. As the doors swing inwards, he walks in. You follow him? Mm-hmm. As he... I was going to edit out the parts where soundtrack starts. As he walks in, you are met with a large, large, expansive room. I guess you would, you would hazard a guess that it takes up the entire length of the house. The very tops are slightly slanted, so you would assume that you are pretty much in the attic of this house. The flooring itself 
is all just basically wooden floorboards, but polished to an inch of their life. There is a very dark sheen to all of them. Covering the, ex uh, the entire center of it is a large multicolored rug that as you approach it seems to change hues and colors and shades and random intervals. On either side are multiple, multiple very large bookcases, each of them straining under the sheer amount of books that are there. There are numerous chandeliers hung from this curved alcove, each of them starting to just light up as Amrius walks underneath them. Um, directly in the centre where the rug is, on top of it, are numerous pedestals, each of them holding different items that are just kind of casually floating up and down. In one of them, there is a golden skull. In another, there is a... It kind of almost looks like a Centurion-style helmet, similar to the one that the guard's captain was wearing in the dance number. There is a sword with a hilt, but the blade of it is broken and shattered. But the shattered remnant of the blade just float up and down on this pedestal. There are numerous others as well as you pass by, but you don't really pay too much mind to them. You're just kind of shuffling in and out. Um, pressing into the backs of the walls are numerous chests. There are mannequins covered in what looks to be very expensive, but also very worn armor. As Ambrose continues walking them off as the chandeliers above light. You notice that he's walking towards a very large, curved oval-style desk. You're not sure what wood it's made out of, but it looks very expensive. It looks very, very heavy. As you approach it more, you can see that the sides of it and the front of it is inlaid with multiple flecks of gold and of another odd material that you can't quite place your finger on kind of silvery, white, wispy kind of material flowing through it. As he walks towards the desk, he places his hand and runs along. The desk itself kind of hums, and the lights, all of the chandeliers, dim slightly. He walks behind the desk, and he sits down in a very large, very plush, quite comfy-looking leather high-backed seat. He points towards the front of the desk, and as he does, you see that the runes on his arm, which spread up towards his face, glow. And with a poof, 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 three more high-backed, comfy leather seats appear in front of you. Just the new I thought you can't use magic in Saltada. Oh, well, yeah, someone normally can't. However, and he kind of um, gestures to his left, and you see a big globe showing all of the Athlock. It is, um, so kind of like the frame of it looks to be made out of gold of some sort. And the actual globe itself, um, the actual globe itself, you're not sure what it's made out of, but it's kind of like got almost like a yellow amber sheen to it. Uh, yes, well, uh, if you would care to take a bit of a look in the, uh, well, in the globe, we'll, we'll see if you can understand what is going on in this room. 
We'll try out your deduction skills before we embark any further into the digression of the cult. Okay, no, yeah. I'm going to have this. a look. One at a time, please, guys. I'll go and take a look. And Gregor, are you also taking a look? Yes, yes, I'm going to go. You both kind of bump into each other saying that you're going to go take a look. Well, you, you kind of uh, scrabble to your feet quite easily. Oh, sorry, Dix. Yes, nah, mighty fine. Ah, uh, it's obvious. Is this is this something to negate the the new mine crystal? Uh, my dear Dix, that is for you to fathom and deduce. I already know what it does. However, I wish to see your level of understanding. Each of you, your levels of understanding, is towards. Uh, are we where we think we are? Uh, say that again, Isidore. I did not quite catch what you said. Are we where we think we are? A, a, a valid question. Where do you think you are? Salt Harbor. Will be the answer. Yes, yes, my dear boy, you are still in Salt Harbor. Oh, I thought you teleported us away or something. You know, no, no. of yours. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Reap Manor once upon a time did possess the facility to... to uh, and disappear and reappear at will in the various locations. However, uh, you may have noticed it has been in a state of disrepair for quite some time, and that function is currently uh, locked off, as it were. Needs more progress before it unlocks, as such. Uh, Deeks, I believe that you were looking at something, were you not? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, just, just, just give, give me, a, give me a second. I'm gonna yes, have a proper look around. Um, see if I can recognize any of it, whether it's magical or a physical form of something. See if I recognize it. Give them time, they'll get it. I mean, of course I already know, but I'll leave it to my trusty companions. Very well, very well, is it all? I, uh, I trust that you will all understand potentially when all is revealed of raises an eyebrow at you. He's now got his feet on his like expensive desk, just kind of leaning back slightly, just kind of taking in the scene as you are all trying to investigate why magic is allowed. Uh, yeah, I take a look at Amria as so you give him that. And then I look at the globe again. And can I expect the globe? You can. Um, roll me a perception check, please. Just If you're just generally having a visual inspection. Yeah, that's what I was doing as well, trying to investigate. Uh, both of you can roll me a perception check then, please. If you're Again, if it's just a visual check, then yes, I, roll I'm, me a perception. Amrius? Am I allowed to touch? Yes, yes, please, go ahead. Go ahead. I knew I said not to touch various things, but that globe you can touch uh, freely. Okay, I'd like a, a, a physical inspection then. Okay, uh, first that's still perception, I would think. Uh, I got a nine on that. You got a nine, you say? Okay, let's wait for Geeks as well. Seven. Um, sorry, you said that yours was physical, didn't you, Deeks? Yeah. Sorry, investigation, not perception. Oh, um, is that, that fucked up? Be... That's all right. That's, uh, it'd be a nine then. 
So both of you have got nines. Okay. Gregor, to you, this just looks like a bit of a faded globe of Eoth. Look, as you're kind of spinning it around a little bit, like gently, you recognise the continent of Eoth, uh, of Ixen. You, of course, recognise Erebor. You see that a lot of the top and bottom mass of the globe seems to just be blank or covered in ocean or um, clouds, essentially, what seem to be clouds. You also see Khazadar, um, the landmass of Khazadar, like directly above Ixen. However, other than that, you don't really notice too much apart from a thin band of gold around the centre of this globe. Deeks, as you're kind of like running your hand around, you can tell that the spine of it that kind of curves around and allows it to spin. Yeah, that's made out of solid gold. The actual club itself seems to be made out of a mix of amber and wood. You also notice this thin gold band running around the circumference of it, but you don't really... It doesn't... It just seems to be part of the decoration. Okay, can I... Um... Oh, I'm a bit puzzled, so I'll... I'm going to... I'm going to try and cast one of my spells. <laughs> try and cast Presti and see if it works. How are you casting it? How, where, gonna... and why, essentially? Well, I'm just going to sort of hold the item in my hand. Right. When you say the item, you don't mean the globe, because the globe is bigger than you. It's a big globe. Inside? Did I not grab what was inside? You don't know it, you've not opened it, you don't even know not, if it opens. Not lifted it off, right? Okay. No, no, you've literally I'll just, hold, just kind of spun. I'll hold hand on instead then. Okay. So I'll hold my hand on. Um, and, the, you know, the lights, what Amrius... Yeah, the chandeliers. Yes. The chandeliers, yeah. So I just want to hold the item and then try and cast Presti to try and uh, dim the lights with my other hand. Whereabouts are you holding the globe? Like I say, it's a big... So just to explain it, it is a, like I say, a big globe itself made out of wood and amber. There are two kind of like uh, golden spikes on either side of it, um, which allow it to spin on the spine that curves around and the base. If you look a little bit closer, you can see that at the top, there is also something else affixed to it. But obviously, with that roll of nine, you're not quite sure what that is. So, whereabouts yeah. on this globe are you holding? Um, I'm, I'm not that bothered about whereabouts it is. So, I'm literally just hand in front. Let's say the globe was here. So, just yeah. the hand on on the, the curvature of the, of the globe. globe. So, okay. Yeah, the curvature. And you're yeah. trying to dim the lights, you say? I'm trying to dim the lights with prestidigitation. The word I can't say. Prestidigi, we'll call it. Prestidigi. As you, if your hand is rested on it and you're trying to cast prestidigi. Um, the lights start flickering and glowing a bit dimmer and then lighting up and then glowing you know, like just flickering a little bit it is allowing you to use magic but it's not quite as strong as you know like you're normally able to yeah ah, this is fascinating Amrius it does allow you to do magic I just see well, a globe and I'll just give it a big no spin throw me a strength check uh, yes dear Deeks in a way it's uh, does, I suppose. Uh, I dare say you might be about to stumble upon the answer without knowing the explanation. Mm, possibly. 
My, my, don't you worry, they'll spin. get there. It's good for them to exercise their brain muscles once in a while, I think. Esidor, would you care to hazard a guess before they figure out the secret to the globe? No need to guess, my Hmm. Do you know what it is, Esidor? Of course. Ah. I didn't know you were so aware. As I am rather continuously underestimated, I may surprise you quite more often than you think. I have no doubt about it at all. Then, uh, dear Ezra, how about you tell us what your suspicions are? Amri asks as Gregor is just about to hit this globe to spin it. Let's just give them a little more time, shall we? He wants you have... us to, to figure it out ourselves, Amrius. Hmm. Uh, I tell you what, then, Ezelor. Uh, we will allow Deex and Gregor to try and work it out themselves. However, if they are unable to in a short amount of time, I would request that you tell me what your suspicions are. Do not tell Deex or Gregor. You tell me and... Well, I will tell you if you're on the right track or not. That's not a problem. Very well. Gregor, what strength was your roll? 17. You kind of like twat the uh, twat the globe itself, but your dragonborn finger kind of catches on the golden band as can it I, does. Sorry, while this is all going on, can I thoroughly watch everything that's going on to try to figure out what it is. <laughs> okay, as this is happening, roll me a perception Wanker. check, please. <laughs> oh, it's going to take more than just one perception check on this. This is just to see what he sees. Whether or not he's able to figure it out is a different matter. <laughs> Natural 20. No, no, no. <laughs> 13. 13, okay, so yeah. Um, Gregor, you hit it. Uh, you hit the globe. Your dragonborn fingernail kind of like digs in accidentally to the golden band. As it does, and you like flick your wrist, the two halves of the globe lift slightly before slamming back down. As it, it continues spinning quite quickly, Ezidor, you heard a slamming noise, but you didn't actually see the globe split in half. You just saw Gregor hit it quite hard and a loud noise occur afterwards. It's just a globe! Well, uh, it would appear, Amrys is saying towards Ezodor, it would appear that Gregor might be on the right track here, but is still very far away from the answer. May I suggest, he just kind of, look, he kind of raises his voice as he sits up a little bit, may I suggest that you look at the globe again and look at the surrounding areas. Maybe look to see if there is anything around the globe or on the globe that could be pointed somewhere and to where it would be pointed. Alright, can I... Well, it's still spinning. It's, it's still it's spinning definitely. super quick. Right. I just... look. I look at Amrist and then I look at the globe and then can I just put my fingernail just to stop it? Yeah, so where exactly are you putting your fingernail to stop it? Uh, just like in the middle type thing, just to stop it from spinning. So where that gold band is? Yeah. As you hold your fingernail and it's spinning around quickly, 
it hits into the gold and there's a horrifying <laughs> nails on chalkboard times a billion as your dragon bone fingernail digs in and it kind of the the golden band kind of like starts curling around your finger it eventually stops there's kind of like a corkscrew of gold like leading upwards away from your fingernail I just pull that off and just drop it in front of me and now look at the Amrice's nose flares (laughs) (laughs) I just carry her looking forward just just a little bit of a gulp in my uh, throat Um, (laughs) I look at the islands a bit closer you can roll me an investigation check Maybe it's not on the globe. Seven. They're just some pretty colours and shapes. <laughs> you can't read. Uh, Sorry, Deke. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a further look at the the surface of it. Um, you said on the top and the bottom, it's held in by like by two kind things. of so. Um, you know how the classical, like, big old globes are, right? There's a big globe, there is the two crux points that actually hold in the globe itself. So in a globe there's normally, like, two little holes, and you'll insert it into, like, these two little points, which allow it to spin. Um, and then there's obviously the big old curve around the outside of the globe, which links these two points together. So on this big curve, where the two points are, the top one protrudes beyond the curve itself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and there's also a base, but that's kind of irrelevant at this point in time. Okay, is that top... Is that pointing towards something? Roll me a perception with advantage, please. It's a very nice glow. Nice colours. 20, not natural. Okay, with that, as you're kind of like, after Gregor has kind of scraped off the golden inlay around the centre, um, you kind of scrabble, you don't even look, you because this globe is taller than you, you kind of scrabble up to the top, and you see that where this like point out of the curve is, you see that the actual tip of it, the very tip of it, appears to be... Not quite a crystal, it's a prism of some sort. It's a glass prism. And you kind of follow it upwards. And as it follow, as your gaze follows upwards, you see that it is pointing directly at a small chunk of a pink new mine crystal. Ah. Deeks, what are you doing up there? You're, you're looking down see. at him. You... I can see now. I can see. Can I, is this crystal up high? It is. It's pretty much embedded yeah. into the roof. And I what, see. dear Deeks, can you see? I can see a new mine crystal up there. Yes. That is negating? Not quite. You're on it the allows, right track. It allows to perform magic. You're on the right track. Let me give you a hint. This facet of new mine crystals, this attribute of them is not well known to most people only scholars such as myself or crystal keepers 
uh, such as Nezi Ood and his apprentice Vex, of course, they would know this attribute. However, if you have one new mine crystal, a large one, such as the one at the top of the crystal tower, and you broke a piece off of it, you would uh, believe that the two are now two separate entities, would you not? Well, well, similar to well, that's good. This will you will be able to wrap your mind around this a lot easier than seeing as most people. I, I normally use the example of a pencil. He says, picking up a pencil. If you snap it, they are no longer linked, are they? But with a new mind crystal, imagine, if you will, that these two, he kind of holds up the pencils towards you. Imagine that these two are two separate new mind crystals. Despite being pulled apart, his um, runes glow again, and a very brief, very thin, kind of like bright white light joins the two of the pencils together, uh, the two ends of the pencils together. Despite being torn asunder, split apart, they are still linked. So what happens to one part of the crystal will happen to another. So are you trying to tell us that if you split these rocks, they both have power? Mm, yes. Yes, uh, I believe, Gregor, you already know that, seeing as uh, I do believe I witnessed um, uh, Ragnarok, I believe, um, wearing the pink Newman crystal sliver at one point to negate his curse. I was just going to say, off thing, did I know about this? Because I knew them two went off to sort it out, but I you... don't think I was actually there. You knew about the crystal sliver itself. You don't know about the properties that it shares between, like, the base one. Is that what it was? Yes. Yes, you see, uh, with it being part of the main new mine crystal from the crystal tower, even though a part of it was sliced off, it still retained the same magical attributes. Now, tell me, dear boys, if... A sliver of it, a chunk of it, retains the same attributes. What do you think happens when it's negated? If one section is negated? Negated. negated. Do you mean as in refracted? Like light? Mm, elaborate, please, as it all. Well, as light goes through a prison, it'll bend. No, I don't mean that, I'm afraid. No, I know you don't, but I just... Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> Essentially, I will give you a final clue on this. If a item was able to negate the pink Newman crystal, which is linked to the main Newman crystal, it would mean that no matter where you are, as long as this small chunk was with you and negated, something is negating it, that immediate area around forth, you will be able to use magic, such as this study. As you can see, Deeks, he kind of he raises a hand up towards the large chunk of Newmine Crystal embedded into the roof. That is indeed a pink Newmine Crystal. In fact, it is a chunk of the Newmine Crystal from the Crystal Tower. There is something 
somewhere in this room negating the effect of it. Because this chunk is directly related to the large one, by negating this small one here, it negates the overall magic prevention within this room. You see, Diggs, if this was an unrelated crystal from somewhere else, and I, sh I did something that would negate the negation, essentially, the one from the big crystal would still be in play. However, seeing as it is one and the same, any attributes are stopped. Does all of that make sense to you? I'm just scratching my horn. I'm a little bit confused. Are you saying that there is something else in this room? Yes. Yes, there is. By Jove, I think he's got it. The pink new mine crystal that is embedded in the roof is merely a component. It acts as a relay of sorts. Yes, and it has to travel. Yes. Think of it this way. The, um, you know how I, I travel using my runes, the weather veins and whatnot? I need one on one side and one on another, and they communicate with each other, allowing me to travel. That is essentially what's happening with the new pink new mine crystal. The small one communicates with the large one. The large one is overall, over all of Salt Harbor, negating all magic. However, this small one, which has some kind of dispellation upon it, is saying to the large new mine crystal, this immediate area here, ignore it. Now, what could be causing that to happen. I believe you're on the right track. In fact, the answers are right within your hands. The globe. Ezador, would you like to uh, take over on the explanation here for a second? Well, I don't want to ruin the fun. <laughs> oh, Ezador, just come up with it if you know it. Just say it. At this year, Amrius, I am a bit tired as a door of. Uh, you see. Well, obviously, it's the thing on top of the globe, that prison thing that's pointing at it. Because that would be how a nullifying. Just hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on just one fucking second here. Deeks, did you ever say there was a prism on top of it? I didn't say there was a prism. Isidore, roll me a perception check. I can't have you just straight up knowing about a prism. A small little prism. Well, yeah, but you said it, so... <laughs> yeah, I, sa I said it. Me as DM. Yeah. Amrius didn't say it. You've got to split your character from the you. Remember? Right. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't having a go. I was just saying, you, you can't... Just because you know, your, your character can't know. Four. <laughs> <laughs> you've not you've not seen the prism. You're still flying blind here a little bit, mate. Um, you kind of I... backed yourself into this corner, though. Well, okay. So I don't know about that, but I would just go. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You've got a nullifying field that just it flips the power of the new mind crystal, and that that item is here. And I would assume it would be on the globe somewhere. 
as you pointed it out, as Deeks is expected. I'm sure on closer inspection myself, I will probably find something, some some detail or something that is within that globe that is negating the power of that crystal. <laughs> I will accept that answer. Yet, even if you do not know the true circumstances behind it, it seems that you understand the concept well enough. So, yes. As I said, I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to roll very quickly on his insight here to see if he knows that you were speaking, like, if you were just winging it and bullshitting him. I had one myself. <laughs> <laughs> Got to roll again? <laughs> <laughs> his eyes narrow slightly. Oh, you had to push it there. Uh, he I was do. fine with that bullshitting until you're like, oh, I had one myself. Um, Gregor, what were you doing? Uh, I was just going to say, it sounds to me it's like a positive energy and a negative energy. The one in the tower is the negative energy. That's the one that nulls all spells and magic. But the one you have seems to be a positive energy that lets you cast magic. Um, my dear boy, I I truly appreciate your, your uh, attempts here and your creative thinking. However, you have it ever so slightly wrong. I would suggest maybe looking at the globe a bit closer. Gregor almost accidentally found out the secret to it. I'm just going to try and see if it opens. So you just push it up. Yeah, I was Put, originally going to. It just that. it just pushes up, just <laughs> opens up. And uh, what do I see inside? The Earth is hollow. <laughs> One, the Earth is hollow. <laughs> and two, there is kind of like a uh, the name for it. You know, like um, if you've got statues and stuff like that, there's kind of like a resting thing on it so it is pointing directly one way yeah that makes sense there's a there's a stand essentially in the middle of the globe and on the stand it's an eye a very large bulbous eye which glows red roll me uh, an it... sorry can i was just gonna say no, roll me an arcana check please Um, with actually, with with your knowledge of the tower in the tower, roll it with advantage because there's a high chance you know what this is. I've got proficiency in it. Yeah, can I uh, have a look in as well? Yes, you can look as well. Unfortunately, just normal for you because you don't have all of this random magic knowledge. I was going to say Arcana. Arcana, yes, please. Sixteen for me. Sixteen. Yeah. Well, it's better than Josh. Um, Sixteen. You both of you have the sixteen. Both of you are kind of peering into the globe. You look down. You do your best not to disturb it at all before you you kind of shut it slowly. Deeks knowing exactly what this is. You both look to each other. That's a beholder eye. Ah, now I see. You do, yes. you do know what that is, don't you, Dix? I guess, of course. It's a beholder's, it's a beholder's eye. eye. 
Yes, well, I am quite impressed that the two of you noticed what it is. I would, uh... Well, there is a side of me which wishes to make a pun about the eye of the beholder, but uh, I will refrain from that. You do know what some of the magical properties of a beholder eye are, don't you? Uh, yes, if you, if you would like to uh, elaborate. Anti-magic cone. Mm-hmm, yes. So, would you now like to hazard a guess as to why that beholder's eye is angled as such, why there is a prism at the top, and why it is pointing at a new man crystal? Well, it is a similar thing as to what I just said earlier. Or, not quite. That's what the prism was, right? It's because it's looking at the prism that's reflecting the D-spell magic around this room. Close. Very, very close. The prism concentrates. One side would concentrate, the other side would refract. If it shone into the sides, it would reflect, shining directly into the top of the prism, concentrates it towards the new man crystal with the anti-magic nullification ray pointing into this prism and focusing it directly upwards towards the new man crystal what do you think happens are you changing it are you making it so you can use magic yes essentially yes the concentration of the uh, anti-magic ray from the beholder's eye concentrates onto the new mind crystal. The new mind crystal is negated. Because it is directly linked to the one in the tower, it negates that one in this area as well. As I said, if this was just a random pink new mind crystal, then what is happening with the other one would not be affected. Because, unfortunately, the Beholder's anti-magic ray is not as strong as a Black Newman Crystal. A Black Newman Crystal can stop any effect of any Newman Crystal. A Beholder's eye can only prevent magic. A Newman Crystal is inherently magic. So by concentrating it and linking it to the one in the main tower, I am able to use magic in this specific room. That all well, makes sense. I wouldn't have got that in a million years. I mean, I gave enough clues, I believed, but nonetheless, mm. you have all now solved the mystery of the crystal. <laughs> Congratulations, you can cast magic in this room. Interesting. Anyway, very, very, back very interesting. <laughs> back oh, to I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Where is by the by the way, Amrius? Is uh, is is there any chance of getting those drinks? Oh yes, of course, of course. He rings a bell and he kind of ding ding rings, and after about a minute or two, the door opens and Bertie is there with a tray. There are two goblets full of dark red liquid, and then one um, 
It's kind of like a bowl with just kind of like gloopy stuff in it. Ah, this must be my poop. Uh, yes, uh, Master Gnome. I was not quite sure uh, if we had any poop, but this is the best we have. It is harvested from our trees outside and ground into a, well, beaten into a fine pulp. Oh, it's marvellous. I'll uh, take a sniff of it. It smells good. I'll just, uh, how about it? Uh, roll me uh, constitution check. Say it for just a check. Just a check. Natural one. <laughs> I'm going to die. I mean, oh, it's all good. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems nice. I'll take a little mouthful. If it's good. I'm just going to go in there. As you're kind of <laughs> ramming all of this pulp in. Roll me a constitution save with disadvantage. I'll just grab my drink. Oh, I rolled two 16s. Um, so that's 17. Okay, well, you're not dead at least. So, you know, that's good. However, as you're ramming this poor pin, after a couple of seconds, you feel your tongue start to tingle very badly. Ah, that'll be the sap. As you kind of swallow it down, you feel your insides start to tingle. Oh, I'll say, uh, Bertie, what? what is it that you've given me here? Oh, it's the uh, flutes from our trees. Uh, I believe they called it the Fumongous Fruit. Fumongous? Well, at least it's not an elm. Roll me a nature check with advantage, yeah, please. Twenty-two. At your stomach, kind of makes a, a gurgling noise. You remember immediately. You're very allergic to fumongous fruit. Uh, was it fumongous? Did you just say? Uh, yes, Mister Gnome. Yes, it is. Oh, Specialty around here. Oh dear. Um, it's your stomach again. I'm turn, yeah, I'm turning around to to these two. Um, everybody, I'm not supposed to eat fiamongus. But don't you like it? I've, it does something to me. I'm I'm extremely allergic to it. You're allergic I, to it. Yes, and I I I must I must seek help. Uh, 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 How bad is it? Uh, roll me a constitution save again, please. It's your stomach again. Fourteen. You need the toilet very badly. If you just like to excuse me, um, start walking out the door and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask Bertie on the way out. Where is, where is the, the lavatory, Bertie? Oh yes, of course, Master Gnome. It is just down the stairs. And then down the second stairs, and then down the third stairs into the basement. 
And then I believe you need to pass through the pantry. And then after that, take a stroll out into the garden. Uh, okay. I'm just going to immediately fastly walk out of the room. Gregor, um, I think you best follow him. <laughs> I'll see if I can make it down the first set of stairs. <laughs> Come save, please. <laughs> five. Ah, the little gnome will be fine. Do five, I know about, did you say? Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Gregor, did you, do you know about... Uh, do I know about, like, allergic reactions or anything like that? Just throw me a straight-up knowledge. We don't have knowledge. Intelligence, sorry. Intelligence. I'm fairly sure at this point in the game, you guys know if I say knowledge, I mean intelligence. Nine. Yeah, I've I've fucked up the intelligence slash knowledge stuff enough times. Yeah, roll me an intelligence, please. Uh, Nine. You know that people can be allergic to stuff, but having never been having an allergic reaction to anything, you don't quite know what it means. Yeah, he'll um, be fine, I think. It's not like he's going to die or anything. <laughs> Deeks, what did you get? Five. <laughs> As you're walking down the stairs, the movement of going up and down, it's generating more stuff. Again, do I, do I need to go, like, now? You desperately need to go. I'm just going to find the nearest room, then. Okay, let me just... And try and enter that room and find an object that I can hide my feces in. (laughs) (laughs) You managed to get to the first floor. Um, Again, like on the ground floor, there is this tiled black and white kind of hallway leading down. There are doors to the left or the right going all the way down. I'm assuming you're choosing the first door in front of you, but is it to your left or to your right? Um, to my right. You try the handle, it jiggles for a second, then it opens. Okay, so guys, we are currently in Amrius's office still after Deeks has made a quick escape down the first uh, set of stairs into the first floor. Unfortunately, Deeks was not able to quite hold himself quite well, so he just darted off into another room. However, Isidore and Gregor, you are currently also in the study still with Amrius. Amrius is still sat behind his desk. Bertie has just given you both a goblet with some dark red liquid in, and he's kind of like tucked the tray under his arm. He looks at Amrius. Will that be all, sir? Amrish kind of just nods curtly at him, turns back to look at the both of you. And yourselves, sirs, will that be all that is required? I just take a sniff of my goblet. Would you have anything that would help with someone with an allergic reaction? (laughs) I shall see if we have the medicine. I believe it is called an epi-a-pen. I shall retreat to the pantry post haste. And just kind of walks out. An EpiPen? <laughs> An EpiPen, yes. It is a quill that, when stabbed into one, may relieve one's allergens. 
fascinating piece of magic. Yes, truly the world that we are living in today. Can I just hold, I'll just hold my goblet with like two fingers. So you've got the goblet in your hand? Yeah. Taking a swig? Take a quick, yeah, take a swig. Roll me a constitution <laughs> save, please, as this thick, viscous liquid with a very strong coppery tang infiltrates your entire senses. Uh, constitution save, you say? Yes, please. Uh, 15. Mm. Okay, a couple of things happen. Because you're Dragonborn. Uh, but yes, a couple of things happen. Um, first off, you feel a warmth radiate your entire body. For the next 24 hours... Nope, sorry, that was wrong. For the next 72 hours, sorry, you have complete immunity to fire damage. Complete. Hmm. I see. That's pretty nice. Next up, you feel very confident. You have like a... A new aura about you. You have plus four to your charisma for the next 72 hours. So for the next three in-game days, you've got plus four to your charisma. And then finally, because you're a dragonborn who's just drank dragon's blood. Oh. You've unlocked the cannibalism perk. <laughs> If you eat a reptile, any form of reptile or dragon or dragonborn, if you consume their flesh, you regain health back dependent on what kind of creature it is. Not only that, but if you consume the flesh of a creature that has certain abilities, you can replicate those abilities. <laughs> I would write that down if I was you, because this yeah. is a permanent perk. Right, um... What was it? I got plus four on... So, you've got plus four on your um, charisma for the next 72 hours, so that's temporary. Charisma uh, for 72 hours. Yes. Um, yep, next one. You have complete fire immunity for 72 hours. And then your permanent new perk, slash curse, is cannibalism. Whenever you consume the flesh of a reptile or reptile-like creature, so dragons, dragonborns, etc., lizards, you gain health back, the amount of which depends on what kind of creature you just consumed. But not right. only that, if said creature had an ability of some sort, you would be able to temporarily replicate that ability. Other... Reptilians, we'll say. Yeah. Reptilians. Uh, yeah. I... Yeah. Uh, how much health is it? It depends on the creature. Okay, fair enough. Again... Uh... And possibly. Temporary. 
temporary abilities. Abilities temporary. Yes. Yes. There might be other stuff to it, drawbacks maybe, compulsions, whatnot. But you don't know any of that yet. No. Oh, I say this district is absolute delight. Oh yes, yes, that is only the finest of dragon's blood. Oh. Oh, I gotta say, it's got a good kick to it. What kind yes. of blood? I mean, it's a strange name. Uh, say that again, sorry. Yeah, Dragon's Blood is such a weird name to call a drink like this. It's superb. My boy, it is the blood of a dragon. Look at it. But the way I'm feeling at the moment, I just carry on. I was going to say, you feel slightly more compelled to drink it anyway. You're kind of reviled by it, but you're still just like, this is good. I'm taking another sip. Just, yeah, I'll just carry on. Just, 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 just hoping it's not Bimmet. Yeah, that's true. Ezadar, you also drinking this goblet that you've received? Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> as soon as you said dragon's blood, and I've seen him run out, and then an aura turns about here, I'm just like, just on the desk in front, just Amrys. <laughs> Very well, it is not to everyone's fancy. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm sure it's perfectly pleasurable. Just at the moment, my palate's a bit tainted. Were you concerned for my friend there? Of course, of course. Well, hopefully uh, Bertie should be able to rectify any ailment that that uh, Deeks has, because, understandably, I do not wish to press further on regarding the, uh, kind of leans in close, the cult of Merkel and our, our future steps, if Deeks is to assist us with that. Indeed, especially about the... Uh, Yes, yes, I have been informed about the plimps, yes. I suppose you as a door is in the a dark as anyone else, though, having never never seen one of the plimps of Mercury. Well, I mean, I would know it when I see it. A fair assumption, indeed. Nonetheless, we shall await Deeks' return. Whilst we are waiting, please feel free to peruse the study. Uh, please do not uh, touch any of the artifacts. He just kind of gestures into the center. that are floating on the pedestals. They are highly dangerous. Duly noted. Just carrying on sipping as I'm just looking around the box. And this... We, well, I can't be all like we Grand Theft Auto zoom out like I did last time, but uh, let's see if I find the right track here. We come back to Deeks. Hopefully with the right soundtrack. Yeah, this will do. Lighthearted, slightly sinister. Let's go for it. Deeks, you creak open the door. As you creak open the door, you see that you are in a vast room. Right in front of you, directly in front of you, is a large bay window draped in the finest velvet silks. 
Directly to your left is a giant four-poster bed. Giant. To the right of you, lining across the wall are multiple wardrobes and chests. You don't see any other exits from this room. That's the main one. There are windows, there are chests, there's a bed, there's wardrobes. There's a big old chandelier hanging down. I'm heard. <laughs> there is there is another side wall to the north itself. West, but the bed is blocking most of it off. Uh, I'm going to run s- straight to the wardrobe. She dashed towards the wardrobe. What do you do? I will open the doors. Yeah, doors are open. And, uh, I'm going to see. Is the clothes hanging? There's quite a lot of clothes hanging, and there's also a lot of very, very fine clothes, like silk, cotton, dragon scales, just folded directly underneath you. You'd wager the bed of the. All folded yeah. nicely. You'd wager that there's probably about... Just on the ones that are folded up, there's probably about 2,000 golds worth of co- um, of cloves there. Right, uh, Given how fine these cloves are. I'll quickly run to the chest. Have a look inside the chest. As you... <laughs> roll, roll me a deck safe. <laughs> He's not going to make it. Nine. Hey, it's better. It's better than other ones. If you run towards the chest to open it up, the second you open it up, a large wet tongue licks out, just and the chest slams shut, growing teeth. It doesn't move towards you, but... You run kind straight of back jump to the back. wardrobe. This time now, it's time. I'm running straight back to the wardrobe. I'm going to pick a pile of clothes <laughs> up and I'm going to move them on top of the others to the left. And I'm going to create a space, <laughs> a square space that I can get in. I'm going to get in, close the wardrobe doors. I'm going to squat and I'm going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a constitution save. Well, he's going to be all general about it then. I'm going to close the door and do my business. <laughs> 16. Your poop is normal. A little bit liquidy. Kind of splashes around and stuff, but that's fine. It's fine. You've just defecated in the wardrobe quite badly. <laughs> but as you do, you hear a... <laughs> as a door opens. The door opens and you hear a... There's a large heavy set figure that you can't quite make out walks in still clad in armor the figure walks forward reaches out and the doors are starting to open uh, as soon as they open i'm just going to i'm going to dart out <laughs> and i'm going to grab a, a a piece of clothing on my way out and i'm going to try and Wipe <laughs> as I'm running, and Romy. I'm running straight back up to the the study. Roll me a dex check, please, to see if this large figure notices you. Natural sweaty. 
<laughs> With the grace of whatever god you follow, the second the doors open, you dart out, grabbing something as you do. It feels nice and soft in your hands. You jump down, and as you do, you manage to wipe your ass and chuck it back into the wardrobe behind you for <laughs> zooming off. As you zoom through the door, which is slowly creaking close behind the person, you just hear, What the bloody hell is that smell in my wardrobe? It's Sebcha. <laughs> as you dart out, you kind of look to the side of the wall and you see his giant old war hammer. Just resting against the wall, you've just you've just shut. Not only in Eb Charles' room, <laughs> but in his wardrobe. As you're bounding up the stairs, you just hear, <laughs> you're jumping up the stairs as fast as you can. <laughs> you reach the la- <laughs> you reach the landing. You just hear, what? Goodness. You open the door, just meh. How do you enter the st- in, into the study? Uh, just a little tumble and... Uh, I feel a little bit better. Um, oh, I might, may have pissed somebody off, though. I'm going to stand behind Gregor. So as you're stood behind Gregor, you see Amrius look with a slight look of concern. Uh, what do you mean you may have pissed someone off, dear boy? Um, well, let's just say I didn't quite make it all, all of the way to the bathroom. Just a deep intake of air. Hmm. I do not believe Bertie will be too happy to deal with that. Well, he's just maybe thought more on um, what he was, uh, never mind. Hmm. Nonetheless, no harm, no foul. Please tell Bertie on your way out where you have uh, defecated, I suppose. And uh, I shall ensure that... Oh, he shall ensure that one of the chambermaids sorts it out. <laughs> as long as you've not uh, defecated in mine or Ape Child's room, of course. That would be quite quite unbecoming. <laughs> yes, yes, he would. <laughs> Just tightly holding on to Gregor. You just hear, only Deacon just hear, Whoever spoiled my room like this, they will pay. As that's happening, Amrys kind of looks across at the three of you. Um, as a door, you know, like you just handed back your goblet. You, I'm assuming you just kind of stood around perusing the different shelves and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm looking at the floaty things. Yeah, so not really touching them, but admiring them as such. Gregor, you've kind of like got a small little Deeks just clinging onto your leg, and Deeks, you're pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I haven't noticed because I'm still enjoying my uh, little cup. Just, just drinking your dragon's blood, and Deeks, you're pretty much clinging on like a shitting dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I do not believe that this is the group of heroes that Mr. Constance. Expected, nonetheless, this is the group that we have. So please, would the three of you sit down and we can bow wow, as it were, about the current situation? Of course. Oh, Dix, when do you get here? Why are you clinging onto my leg? I've been here for a while. Have you? 
Yes. All right. I just carry on walking. I'm guessing Deeks is still attached to my leg at this point. Deeks, are you still clinging you, onto his leg? If, if if you're moving, I'm going to climb back up onto your back. All right. Is this just the new dynamic on. for Deeks? Gregor is basically his own little pack mule. I can, I can see that working. See, we're gonna rein, see if we're gonna reinforce his hatred and slight racism over gnomes. It's gonna make him realize why he left the Ereborian army. One of two things: Deeks, you're clinging onto Gregor's back. Gregor, I'm assuming you're making your way to one of the three chairs that are in front of Amrius. Yes, I know. Well, I'm in front of the sit desk. Down. Let's have it. Boom. As you lean back, Deeks, you see that the chair is approaching you very fast. Scurry up further so I can get out of the way of it. You're now sat on top of Gregor's head. Mm-hmm, that'll do. Just these little gnome legs, Gregor, dangling in front of your face. Just like kicking forward every so often. I like being up here. I feel tall. <laughs> Esad- what everyone else sees. <laughs> Esador, are you making your way over to the seats? Are you still just immersed in the floating objects? Yeah, that's where Amrius is gone, yeah. Yeah, Amrius is currently sat behind the desk waiting for everyone to take their seats. This I will perch on the table in front of my dragon's blood that much drinking. It's just like within like half an arm's reach away from you every so often you're just kind of like glancing at it, it's just like oh. Okay, so <clears throat> for the benefit of everybody here who is not Gregor. I assume none of you know who Vela Constance is, do you not? Rings Have I had anything to do? Rings uh, a bell, but I would say I'm unfamiliar. Deeks, roll me a straight up wisdom check, please. Eleven. With advantage, sorry, because you're in... Sorry. I keep on forgetting to give you advantage for stuff that you probably should have advantage for because you're a fucking librarian. You know shit. Still 11. The name rings a bell, but you can't quite fathom where from. You know it's probably a famous person, especially with the way that Amrius has said his name. But other than that, you're not fam- you're not sure why he's famous. Okay. Um, yes, I, I have heard of Valar. Um, maybe you could elaborate a bit more and uh, possibly remind me and ring some bells. Yes, yes, of course. And of course, seen as Ezador here, I believe you have, as you've described a couple of times, now you've not been in the, well, in the company of others or the surface world, as it were, for quite some centuries. So... I will inform you of Valor himself. So Valor Constance, a half-elf coming from a noble family. However, he distanced himself quite early on from said family after they were, well, they were quite problematic in many ways, you see. Nonetheless, that is not the point of this part of the story. After he distanced himself, he ended up in the Ixen army for King Lyable. A lot apparently happened during that. Not many people know the true extent. It is said, though, that he was 
there during the, uh, well, shortly after the uh, scouring of Scald. After the blizzard of corpses passed through. Not too much is known either about his involvement in the aftermath of it, or even about the scouring of Scald. All that is known is that there was a blizzard of corpses that desolated the entire village and left no survivors, not one. God, just are we, just grip on my are we talking? Maybe cutting into it. Mass, hang on, um, hang on, hang on. Uh, Sorry, one at a time, guys, please. <laughs> Greg, I be- Greg, I believe you were first, then we'll go on to Essador. Sorry, uh, all that I'm saying is, uh, every time I hear lids of corpses, I'm just gripping onto the side of the yes, chairs. Yeah. Just You're kind of my nails in. You're gripping in a little bit. Ezador, you were asking about the size of the army, I believe. I was asking what exactly is the Blizzard of Corpses. Um, well, I'll say, is there a Blizzard of Corpses? I'm breaking thinking this was a, a master army of undead. In a sense, yes. You are definitely correct in assuming they are undead. However, an army would suggest there is rank and file, there is stratagem, there is hierarchy. Not many people who have encountered the blizzard of corpses have survived, though those that have describe the undead as rabid, relentless, scrabbling over one another to get living tissue. They're called the Blizzard because they lash out in every which way. There are so many corpses that have been reanimated or moving in one ferocious flurry that all one can describe them as is a Blizzard. So yes, you are sort, you are correct in a way describing them as an army, but it is more like they are an army driven on instinct and ferality. I just take a deep breath, just try to slow my heart rate down at this point. Are you quite all right, Gregor? You seem to be a bit perturbed by this retelling. Yes, yes, I'm fine. Very well, I shall continue. After, after his involvement in the cleanup of Scald. Mr. Valar Constance shortly left the Ixen army, specifically to, well, to travel Ixen, and he became a, a private investigator, a detective as it were. He was incredibly good at his job solving many an unsolved crime and gaining fame and recognition across the lands. However, his true calling has always been, according to him, to help and service the people of Ixen. So, of course, when King Lyval ascended, the current King Lyval, that is, that is, King Lyval, the... King Lyval, the... King Lyval, the show up on my goddamn timeline. That is, King Lyval the Twelfth, when he took the throne. Well, 
shortly afterwards, a, new, a number of years afterwards, he requested Mr. Constance for an audience. Not much is known about what happened during the audience, except that at the end of it, Mr. Constance, whilst he was still free to roam the lands as a detective, had the official title of Hand of the King. The King's right-hand man, as it were. Now, Mr. Constance has undertaken many, many missions in his time. However, the most pressing of which is his current one, which you, Gregor, dear boy, I believe you are well acquainted with. I believe so, yes. Yes. He has been instructed to look into these reports of massing undead. After my discussion with him the previous night, Mr. Constance has discovered quite a lot about these wandering corpses. They are not all random. They are, in fact, the machinations of Merkel, as you are no doubt not surprised to hear. The plinths. The plinths, indeed. The plinths, dear Ezreal, tie Merkel to this realm. If we are to rid ourselves not only of Merkel, but of this oppressive undead scourge across the land. We have to destroy the plimps. And this is what Mr. Constance has tasked dear Gregor here with, finding the plimps and destroying them. For you see, I'm sure Gregor would enunciate further, but they believed that they had found a plinth of Merkel. Uh, in the Market of Rust, or shortly outside of the Market of Rust. Yes, we did. We managed to find one when I was with my old party. But, dear boy, that was not a plinth of Merkel. Then who is it a plinth? Well, dear boy, tell me again. What are you a cleric of? Oh, well, I was a cleric of Talos. And tell me, since destroying that plinth, have you had any communication with Talos? Has he spoken to you in your dreams? Has he directed you towards where you should go? Has he acted as a deity should towards a cleric? I just take a long think. Well, no, I've not had any communication from Talos, but I assume that that was because I left the order. Well, I did some unspeakable things. Do you also remember from what Mr. Constance has told me? What the tribe of Yon in the whispering woods outside of Velden, called the plinth, the deity of the plinth? I don't think I ever got a name, I don't think. They called it Arsifatun. Does that ring a bell? Roll wisdom. No, roll history. As you're thinking on this, 
He continues, of course, that is not quite how the Yonti pronounce it. They pronounce it. But translated into common, it translates to Arsivotun. I got two. You don't remember. Do you know what that um, name translates to? In My dear boy. Considering you have not heard from Talos since you destroyed the plinth. I'm fairly sure you already know, do you not? Has any of Talos's powers that he would bestow upon a cleric worked for you since then? Nay. Every instance of combat I have witnessed you involved in has been your own power, not the power to a deity. Are you saying that because I've destroyed that plinth, I destroyed Talos's connection to this world? I'm not sure if you destroyed his only connection. But you destroyed a connection, yes. He is weaker now. That is why he's not communicated with you. You, Gregor, have inadvertently betrayed him. You are no longer the cleric of Talos. I just lean back in my chair, just thinking about what's happened. And all of a sudden, a smile just comes on my face. I just start. (laughs) (sighs) I never liked that dick anyway. That's belly well good news, seeing as from the sounds of it, he does not like you anymore. Nonetheless, continue onwards, so I'm glad I could give you that closure. That plinth that you destroyed in Belden was indeed Talos's. However, you must repeat this along with Merkel's. Mr. Constant. Please. I'm coming. uh, Don't worry, I am coming for Merkel. Wonderful. Um, Bit of a personal. Vendetta, you may say. Yes, I suppose seeing your compatriots murdered in front of you would do that to a man. It wasn't that. Oh. Well, we should probably discuss that in further detail another time. However, time is pressing and explanations must press on if you are to make progress within the next couple of days. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Nonetheless, we should probably discuss your clericship and uh, which deity you may serve going forward. However, that can be that can wait another time. Nonetheless, Mister Constance informed me that uh, Deeks as it all. Uh, well, I informed him of you too, of course, seeing as you said that you were helping out Gregor. He accepts your help magnanimously, of course. Uh, both of you will be vastly compensated for all of your help in this endeavor. However, just to uh, give you an idea of what it entails, yes, the plinth that Gregor destroyed in Vildon, whilst it was not te- uh, whilst it was not Merkel and indeed Talos, that is essentially what you will be doing. You'll be hunting down these plinths that belong to Merkel. You will be tested along the way, not only by the forces of the court of Merkel, 
but by the plain themselves. And Gregor, I'm sure, will enunciate further for the two of you in private. But when he destroyed the plane according to Mr. Constance, it took a great deal of physical, emotional, and mental fortitude. That will be required of each of you. Considering... Oh, sorry, Deeks, go so ahead. Sorry, sorry there, Amis. Um, that, is, that is absolutely fine by me, as long as... Um, I don't know if I've made you aware, but I must return back to work. My dear Deeks, if you do not help Gregor destroy these plimps, there will be no work for you to return to. And why is that? Every day that the plimps remain undestroyed, Merkel converts more and more to his army of the dead. Whether that be through convention and persuasion, or simply by getting his blizzards of corpses to turn more and more en masse. As his forces amass every single day, there is less left to fight them. Left to run amok and without banishing Merkel, I dare say even your beloved tower will fall. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But and, until then, unfortunately, I, I do have an obligation which I duly intend to stick to. Um, but of course, I do. I have a, a, a lot of time. I just don't know how long you expect um, these, these tasks, let's call it, to, to take. The sooner, the better. To be quite honest with you, I know that you have said in the past that you had 90 days, and I believe that was a couple of days ago, so let's round it to around about 86, 87 days. That is just shy of three months. I would exactly. like to believe that this will be resolved by then. However, if it is not, I understand that you have an obligation, Deeks, to your library. But do you not also have an obligation to the people of Ixen and all of Eaflok? I lean my head back and just like stare at him. <laughs> just, yeah. If you abandon this call, this call to be a hero, a dinks, I fear that not only will you regret this one opportunity, but the denizens of your tower shall as well, as they are overrun by the corpses and soldiers of Merkel. Yes, well, like I say, uh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Very well, let us indeed. We shall cross and or burn that bridge down when it comes to it. I agree, I agree. Continuing on there. Mr. Constance as I say, requires you all to destroy the four plimps. He believes that he is hot on the trails of one in Velden or the areas around which we have all obviously encountered one or come close to encountering one around this area. I have suspicions as to where it may be. 
However, after the cult is transported away, it is only mere suspicions. Instead, I believe our best bet would be to find a cult member and interrogate them. Agreed. Very well. There are two further plimps. We have the one here. We have one in Velden. There is a rumoring of a site with, well, around the Belitus Forest that has incredibly dark necromantic energy. Which. Belitus Forest? Yes, Deeks. Uh, deep within the Belitus Forest, around the. Uh, uh, what are the names? The giant mushroom. I think they're called mitochondrions. Or something along those names. Big sentient mushrooms, essentially. There are apparently caverns near them. And they have, telepathically, of course, uh, communicated that they are not comfortable and they do not feel safe around said caverns. And if you know anything about mitochondrions... Myconids, sorry. Myconids. If you know anything about myconids, yes, giant mushroom people. Of course, um, I don't. I, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm. That's where I was born in the Belitus Forest. Oh, so you know all about them, then? Of course, these big old I know mushrooms. About the area in the lands of Belitus Forest. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, maybe you can. Is it? Do you have any more information on? Unfortunately, where this could be. Unfortunately, not. Only rumorings that the Myconids around there do not feel safe. In the caves, and obviously, Deeks, you well know that Myconids like dark, cold, damp environments, so for them not to feel safe in a cave, it is awfully suspicious. Well, it is suspicious, yes, but there are lots of caves. There are, which makes it difficult to find. But that is only the rumorings of the third one. The fourth one... I believe is the one that you will find the most difficult when it comes to it. Well, you see, there are not even rumorings. There are strong inclination from many of Mr. Constance's agents that the fourth and final uh, plinth resides in the town of Waterdeep, the north, the very north of Ixon. In the necropolis, the city of the dead. Looks like we've got a couple of places to go. I think we should head to the Belitus right away. I would disagree strongly there, Deeks. There is a plinth in this very area. Would it not be wiser to deal with the problem that's directly in front of you? And then... Yes. Uh, I just, uh, I just fear for the, for the Belitus. As do we all, dear Deeks. However, we must be smart about this. After my discussions with Mr. Constance last night, it is evident that the, the followers of Merkel and Merkel himself Know that there are plots against him. We must strike whilst the iron is hot, as it were. 
and in quick succession. We shall deal with this plinth in this area, and I shall lend all of my expertise, money, and power to help you, free find the other two. And then when the time is right, Gregor, and assuming Mr. Deeks and Mr. Ezidor, you shall return to Velden and help Valar destroy the final plinth. Yes, agreed. I think that's the best strategy we can come up with. Mm. Be wary though, for in my readings, I have discovered another form of magic, more bestial, more primal than those of the gods. By destroying the plimps and ridding this world of the god of death, you might be inviting more raw form of magic surrounding death in. Do you have proof of this? Only readings of ancient texts. There are tales. Sorry, I interrupted you there, Gregor. Please continue. Well, you can't rely everything on books. No. You are damned correct there. These books detailed phantoms that would follow those who are close to death or those who have had dealings and intimate natures with death following them along with a specific sound heralding their arrival but of course such a thing is fallacy fanciful and not structured in the world of our knowledge ah interesting I think we'll have to come across that when when we defeated Merkel. Yes. I dare say I agree. Nonetheless, that was yes. mainly the extent that Mr. Constance and I talked about last night. Our future steps, how to help you, dear boys, and where the journey shall lead. In terms of my next steps, I'm to provide you with as much resources and knowledge as I can and when the time comes for you to leave Salt Harbor, and the time shall come, I believe the time is fast approaching us if you are able to locate the plinth and destroy it. Well, let me say, or just hint, that my abode may be open to you wherever you are. Hmm. Much gratitude. No problem. If you all have questions for me at this point in time, now would be the time to ask them. Before I, of course, have to cast you out of my home, seeing as there is a festival on. And both Ebchar and I, you just hear in the background, Who the fuck shut in my cupboard? Don't know why I took on Crumb's voice there, but you know. <laughs> uh, we are yes. to go. Yes, please go ahead, Gregor. What question do you have? I've got one question. Yes, of course. Can you tell me everything you know about Murug? Murug, you say? Um. And why, dear boy, would you like to know about that deceased ruffian? I don't believe that he's deceased. 
There's rumors we've been hearing. Um, Ivok. What's that? Sorry. Ezidor. Ezidor mentioned about a death walker. Someone who's only been recently uh, revived. And I believe it might be this Murug, the goblin. Murug, you say? You believe that he may be a death walker? Well, I believe so, from what uh, Ezidor has told us about the death walker. I mean, he's the only one that's been recently got killed. A deceased, yes, I heard about that. And what, what a fitting thing for a goblin to make a deal with the god of death. Uh, Meta, do we know about Morok? You two don't know. Well, I'm not too sure what I can tell you about Morok, as you do not already know. Morok was, or is, I suppose, a spiteful goblin, driven by greed. And the Ah, attention. Yes. Almost stereotypical, is it not? But a greedy goblin has other hiding places. Yes, indeed. It would appear from his death, or lack thereof, that one of them was obviously the Fighter's Guild. I have no clue where his other could be. I would presume if he is indeed alive, it would be at the cult's hideout. What I can tell you about Murug himself is that from my dealings with him and from Ebchar's dealings with him and many others, he is a very crafty and sneaky manipulative being. He does not care for others. He only cares for himself. It is not surprising that he might have made a deal with Morug if he believed that regardless of the end consequences he would be better for it. Not only that, but he is a uh, I'm reticent to say it, but he is a fantastic actor. Being able to convince crowds in the fighters arena that he is a good and fair man when we all know he is not. We all know he's a goblin, not a man. That's awfully racist of you, Gregor, considering you are Dragonborn. I just continue sipping my... uh... (laughs) Just slowly, just like... Nonetheless... I do not doubt that Murug is the type of being to literally crawl his way back from the dead for revenge. Other well, than that, I cannot tell you too much. Maybe not, but we have a sudden lead that may have actually entwined our destinies into one. Say that again, sorry? We may have a lead that may have entwined our destinies into one. Oh, and what lead might that be, if I may inquire? Well, first, I would need to know how I assume, with all this lavish 
architecture that you live in, you are rather well versed with money matters. Yeah, I believe so, yes. Times are a little tighter than they have been, but not to a vast detriment. Well, we've found ourselves a, a little friend of ours that may have some valuable information for us that could tell us why these types may be here at Salt Harbor. We believe maybe they are here because of the plinth. Hmm, that would make sense. But we have to do this. Yes, well, we would have to do a tiny favor for this gentleman first. So what we would need to do, because I'm afraid this poor fellow is being blackmailed. Oh, golly gosh, no, that is never good. No, exactly. This is why I would have taken on this this charge anyway, as a matter of honor. Yes. But also to say we're going to get this valuable information that I think will help everyone in this room. I I, I hope we can have your your uh, your assistance in this. Just kind of sits up a bit more straight and leans forward. Yes, of course, dear boy. Blackmail is never... Uh, it is the dishonourable and cowardly way of trying to get information. So, Indeed. of course, this prid quo, quo, prid quo pro that you have engaged upon, I shall do my best to help with. Oh, fantastic. I'm going to get the account slip out with the account number on it and one of the blackmail letters. Plunk it down. I put them on the table and I go, now here is the evidence we are going to get this fellow. I believe that we have his handwriting. I assume would be of importance in banks and money and all that. And we also have the account number. Now the problem that I'm seeing that we get is that this fellow puts money into this bank account. But yes. we don't know who's taking it out. I wonder, I'm sure the bank isn't going to tell us, because, no. well, it wouldn't be a reliable bank. I mean, it wouldn't be a bank, would it, if they did that? No, but no, we, you're right. Yes, I wonder, would there be any way we could find out, little short of, um, well, would you know of any means we would have to be able to find out what fellow is taking money out of this account. Well, uh, dear Isidore, uh, there are a few ways. Um, obviously, you could try to go into the bank itself and convince a teller. It would be difficult. You would have to be incredibly convincing, and that would not work today of all days, of course, seeing as on the founding festival, the bank is, of course, closed. Um of course, of course. Uh, there are a couple of ways. Uh, would you mind if I take a look at the handwriting? See if oh, I recognise it. I've got plenty of these, please. <laughs> is he just looking up? Oh my, he, he is not an eloquent being, is he? He's very sweary. Nonetheless. Oh, yes. One of the vilest. Very vile. Nonetheless, let me flow my dice across the room. Do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way that I get into into focus for checking the che- for checking the letter orange. Let yes, me I roll o- something to see if I. I often it. throw dice when I collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> Let me roll something very quickly. 
uh, as I also definitely don't try to restart the soundtrack. Let me just roll to see if I record. No, not with that. Not with that. Unfortunately, dear boy, I do not recognize this handwriting in the slightest, and I am shocked that you are able to recognize the handwriting. It is garish. Is the person who is... And look at these spellings of the words. They are so incorrect. It makes me wonder if the person who wrote this is even... Well, if they can even write and read and write properly. It's no, terrible. It's educated source. I would no. assume he would be, otherwise why resort to things such as blackmail? And I know you're motivated in such tasks, but may I say, this gentleman is very likely a murderer, also, of innocence. And what makes you say that, dear Eslaw? Because this is the main reason we would like to fight this dangerous being. If you know. <laughs> Very well. Well, let me take a look at this bank slip as well. The letter did not help in much, except knowing that this person probably isn't very well educated. Yes. Other than that, though. But the bank number surely must be up there. We must be on the big As you're saying that, he's kind of he's lifted up the bank slip and he's looking at it carefully. Okay, B. Hmm. Unfortunately, that doesn't ring a bell, and neither does this account number. It's kind of lifting up, and you see his eyes widen slightly as he lifts it close towards the chandelier. I say, that is... truly interesting. Slams the note down onto the table. There, right there at the very top above the K and B. You see what I see, dear chaps? I just lean in, just looking. There is the faintest markings of a sigil. A signature. Oh, a sigil. A sigil, yes. Now, I do not expect the three of you to know, seeing as you are, well, essentially Taurus in this area. <laughs> However, that is the sigil of the guard of barracks. Is this a single gentleman, is it? It is of the guard barracks itself, Ezidore. So essentially, any one of the guards could have accessed this paper. However, at the very least, this should direct your attention to the right area, to the guards themselves. Yes. I would also say that if they have got this stationery, it is most likely from the barracks themselves, for that is where they store a lot of their equipment and stationery and other items. So, in theory, you believe that it would be a guard that would go to these barracks to get the sigil to take out the money? Theoretically, yes. The guard would... Um, no, no, Sarah, not quite. Very close, but not quite. The, the, the sigil is on top of the paper itself, so it is kind of like a letter mark on the piece of paper that whomever has sent this threat 
and information too, has tried to erase. However, has not quite managed it. You see, every piece of paper within the guard barracks has this sigil at the top of it, so that you know that it is an official decree from the guards. They have taken this piece of paper from the guard barracks, tried to remove the sigil to remove the evidence, yet some of it still remains. Surely the only people that are going to get into the barracks to get such a paper would be a guard. Indeed. I believe that is the first port of call for your investigation as the murder of Toby Newton's wife. Yes, the investigation narrows. I believe we have a course. Hi everyone, Tom again. I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who has watched and listened to this episode. The Reaper, The Maelstrom and The Thief is a homebrew Dungeons and Dragons campaign by Rollcast. This episode is featured JB as Deeks, Coogan as Gregor the Last, Gareth Ryan as Ezador Calderos, and Tom Crabb as the DM. Intro, midpoint and outro music were as usual, provided by JB. Editing and sound mixing was done by Tom Crabb. As always, a big thank you to the artists that provided the songs that we have used for this session. Their generosity in allowing smaller creators like ourselves to use their music and ambiences is an absolute boon, and it really allows us to inject some character into these sessions. If you like what you've heard in terms of music this session, I highly recommend checking out this episode's description for all the links to the tracks used. But of course, special thanks has to go to Adrian Von Ziegler, Alexander Nakalada, Kevin McLeod, Michael Gelfie Studios, Scott Buckley, Survival Spheres, and The Seventh Midnight. Rollcast is on Facebook, X, and YouTube. You can find us on them all using the handle at CastThatRoll. So if you've watched this on YouTube and you like what we do, why not like the video and drop us a sub? It really helps with the algorithm and it also helps push us out to a much larger audience. We've also got all of our previous episodes up in our Season 1 playlist, so why not go through it, catch up, and give those a like as well. Our social media profiles have information about upcoming episodes, clips from the latest episode, and us just interacting with the larger D&D and podcasting communities as a whole. So look for us out there. Again, you can find us on Facebook, X, and YouTube, all on the handle, at CastThatRoll. Don't want to watch, but still want to listen? We've got your back. Look for Rollcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, GoodPods, and all other podcasting platforms. Or alternatively, add our RSS feed so you never miss an episode. If you have listened to this one using your favourite podcasting app, why not drop us a review? It really does help, and it also lets us know what to improve upon for future episodes. Thank you again to everyone who has watched or listened to this episode. It was quite the expositionary session, but it definitely gave a nice break away from the madness of the festival so far, and the pure insanity that is soon to come. Episode 24 will be released on the 8th of November, and it will mark a year since we started publishing these episodes online. And what's an anniversary celebration without a song or two? If that tease has somehow enticed you, and you want to know what the hell I'm talking about, you'll need to join us next time. Until then though, keep safe, and we'll see you next time at the table. Is this the new dynamic for Deeks? (laughs) Gregor is basically his own little pack mule.
I could, I could see that working. Sheba gonna re Sheba gonna reinforce his hatred and slight racism over gnomes. So it's gonna make him realize why he left the Ereborian army. One of two things. So maybe maybe Deeks is just getting a clear shot to the throat. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the end of maybe that's the end of this campaign after five full chapters of traveling together. You wipe out, you know, Merkel and then just suddenly <laughs> I got my revenge. You murdered my family, you bitch. Yeah, maybe. That's when I slam we'll you see. into the flipping floor at that point. <laughs> Guys, you're you're meant to be friends at this moment in time, so Oh yeah. 